Welcome to the Torah Journey Podcast. My name is Rabbi Ken Brodkin, and I've been a community rabbi for over 15 years. During that time, I've learned that the wisdom of Judaism is powerful, but it's not always easy to understand. Our weekly podcast will enrich your journey and give you practical advice about how to apply the wisdom of Judaism to your life. We'll offer you insights based on the Parsha, current events, the Jewish year, and more. This is the Torah Journey Podcast. It's great to be back with you here at the Torah Journey Podcast, where our journeys converge every week. Several months ago, I came across the story of a CEO of a premier company, Doug Hodge. This was a man who was convicted and sentenced to prison. He committed fraud while trying to get his kid into a prestigious college, of all things. It was part of something known as the Varsity Blues Scandal. And after his conviction, he said something that gave me a lot of pause. Hodge wrote that in his personal and business life, he always prided himself on having a strong moral compass. So how did he slip into fraudulence? There wasn't one moment where I decided to abandon my principles, he said. Rather, it was a series of small steps. A series of small steps. It's an amazing fact of life that a person can reap their own downfall through a series of missteps. Here's a man who believed in and promoted ethical behavior in his business, and yet something happened in his personal life, and that should give us pause. Who are we to say that we aren't vulnerable to such a decline? And it calls to mind a couple of questions. First of all, is there something that we can do that will guarantee that we'll walk in a pure path all of our days? What's the Jewish path to assure that we will uphold our ethical standards? And secondly, it's broadly recognized in our society that cheating is wrong. While there's plenty of scandals that occur, there's also a myriad of people who abide by strong moral standards. There's plenty of modern wisdom out there that can help people to overcome temptation. Plenty of Jews, even observant Jews, fail, and plenty of non-Jews are good people. I think about my own path in life. I chose to become a fully observant Jew as a young man, and I'm happy that I did that, but can I honestly claim that it's Jewish observance that kept me moral? Maybe in my alternative life, I would have been a moral, non-observant Jew. Well, for me, the answer is that Judaism has been a huge part of my moral development. And keep in mind what Doug Hodge said, you never know where a series of steps will lead. And plus, our rabbis teach us that we should never believe in ourselves until the day that we die. And in light of that, Judaism actually does offer something that we cannot find out there. But what is it exactly that Judaism gives us? Stay with me in this podcast, and we're going to see precisely what Judaism offers us if we want to be on a good moral derech, a good path. Doug Hodge later wrote that he wished he never met Rick Singer, the mastermind behind the Varsity Blues scandal. Maybe he's on to something. Actually, as Jews, we regularly meet great moral people, from Moshe Rabbeinu to Rabbi Yochanan to Rashi. And in the Ten Commandments, we meet Hashem, we meet the Almighty God, and it's hard to think of a moment as awesome as Har Sinai, Mount Sinai. Has a people ever witnessed ten utterances that so moved the needle for human ethics and morality? These ten utterances were given to us with a clear vision about who we are as a people. Hashem brought us to Har Sinai and told us, Vi'ata, now, im shamoa tishmu'u b'koli, if you listen to my voice, Ushmartem esprisi, and you guard my covenant, visam li segula mikola amim, and you will be treasured to me from all nations. 
And you will be for me a kingdom of Kohanim, v'goy kadosh, and a holy nation. This is an incredible moment in history. The Jewish people are given a mission statement. And from there we get into what is one of the most consequential moments of history. A moment that changed life forever, the Ten Commandments. And the ideas are so stark and powerful. Anochi Hashem, the existence of God. Lo Tirzach, the prohibition against murder. Lo Tinaf, adultery. And the command to honor our parents and the Sabbath. These utterances were so deep, so powerful. The Torah literally says that the Jewish people saw the sounds. The sound of God speaking to us was a palpable reality at Mount Sinai. Every single utterance of Sinai was a far-reaching postulate. And it was something more than that as well. In Parshas Mishpatim next week, the Torah says, Hashem, o Moshe, al- haharam. Hashem said to Moshe, Come up to me to the mountain, Vayesham, and be there. I will give to you the tablets of stone, Torah and the Torah, as well as the commandments that I've written to teach them. Now, this is a clear reference to the Ten Commandments that take place in our Parsha of Yitro. And Rashi comments that all of the 613 mitzvot were essentially included in the Decalogue. He references there in Parshas Mishpatim, Rav Sajigon, who teaches us that the Ten Commandments, each of those Ten Commandments, was a super mitzvah category with many specific mitzvot subsumed into it. So the Ten Commands are not only great postulates, the Ten Commands comprise the structure of Torah mitzvot. Let's look at two examples of this that arise at the end of our Parsha. Lo tirzach, do not murder. It's not just a prohibition against a specific act. It's really a broad area of Torah. It's the idea that human life is sacred. And similarly, the prohibition against adultery introduces a broad scope of mitzvot. The crux of it is that the human body is a sanctified vessel through which we learn to recognize God. Now, after we receive this Decalogue, the Aseris Adibros, the Jewish people begin to receive mitzvot that are narrower in scope. At the end of our Parsha, we encounter two verses that illustrate this idea. The Torah says, When you make for me an altar of stones, you shall not build them hewn, for you have raised your sword over it and desecrated it. And the Torah goes on, You shall not ascend my altar on steps, so that you should not uncover your nakedness upon it. Now what's happening in these verses? In the Ten Commandments, we encounter the prohibitions of Lotirzach, do not murder, and Lotinaf, do not commit adultery. And now the Torah tells us that we may not make an altar out of hewn stones. Rashi explains that this command is made out of sensitivity from the prohibition against murder. The altar is built to prolong human life. Metal is associated with a sword. It's an instrument to shorten life. As we build an altar to make human life sacred, we cannot have any trace of metal which is associated with the sword. And on a similar note, the verse states that we may not ascend the altar on steps, but we must use a ramp. 
And Rashi understands this as a reminder of the modesty associated with lotin af, do not commit adultery. Walking up the steps toward the altar is seen as a less modest way for the Kohanim to walk. When they go on steps as opposed to a ramp, their nudity under their clothes would be more exposed via the steps. That would be a trace of immodesty in the very place of the Mizbeach. And this picture only grows as we learn more Torah. Our rabbis teach us that embarrassing a person is akin to murder. Just think of all the cyberbullying going on out there. Our tradition gives us concrete steps that helps us to desist the tendency to embarrass someone or speak ill of them. And likewise, the Torah tells us, do not commit adultery. And our rabbis provided us with a prohibition known as yichud or seclusion. In this set of behaviors, we follow a path of recognizing our vulnerability and not being alone with members of the opposite sex who may tempt us. After the sweeping commands of Sinai, the big ideas take root in particular mitzvot. When we stand back from Sinai, we see a big picture emerging. First, we have a mission vision statement of who we are. We're a holy people. We bring God's message to the world. And next, our mission begins to take root in the Decalogue, the Ten Great Commandments. Each of the Aserah Dibros have particulars, but they're also broad and instructive of where our lives are going. And those Ten Commandments are just a beginning. Now, does Judaism guarantee that we'll be moral? Of course not. But the Torah gives us a derech, a path of morality, a path of ethics to walk upon. As Doug Hodge said, a person doesn't become corrupt overnight. It's a series of steps. And likewise, the journey to our Sinai is also a series of incremental steps. The critical thing about the Torah is that through Judaism, we are walking on a path of goodness. And that itself defines and changes our direction. Sometimes it's just the fact that we're on the path that matters most. Many years ago, I was living in Jerusalem, and I had a friend in Atlanta, Georgia, where my wife is from, and this friend introduced me to a Jewish prison inmate. Let's call him Roger. I connected with Roger. Of course, it was via the mail, and we struck up a a correspondence. This man was a welder from rural Georgia, and he knew that he was a Jew, and he wanted to connect Jewishly while he was in the prison system. And we began to write one another letters. He would ask me detailed questions like, how could he make brachot? How could he make blessings in a cell if there's a toilet in the same room and it's not a clean place to pray? Honestly, his questions enthralled me. And while I was never in jail, somehow I I just felt that I could relate to him. I felt that I could relate to his struggle. Sitting in the base midrash in the yeshiva in Jerusalem, I looked for answers seeking to help this man connect to Judaism while he was locked up in a cell in Georgia. After a couple of years, he was released from prison. And one spring, I found myself in Atlanta, and we met each other for the first time at a service at the Beth Jacob Shul. Now, he was there in the shul, and no one else knew that Roger was an ex-con except for me, but there we were, giving each other a big hug in the hallway. And he stood before me with a kind of humility. This person had gotten in trouble with the law, some kind of financial issue. And now he was immersed in the finer points of Jewish morality and observance. 
Roger went on to start a Jewish family. And that's what the Torah gives us. It's a mission that encompasses our lives. It's a derech to walk on. It's a path in our life. And we can see this in a famous meeting between Reish Lakish and Rabbi Yochanan in their first meeting, two great Talmudic sages. The Talmud in Bava Metziah reports that Reish Lakish was a bandit. And one day he beheld Rabbi Yochanan swimming in the Jordan River, but he thought he was a woman. So thinking that Rabbi Yochanan was a woman, Reish Lakish jumped into the river. Rabbi Yochanan beheld the great strength of this man as he leaped into the water. Your strength should be used for the Torah, he told Reish Lakish. Well, now realizing that it wasn't a woman in the water, Reish Lakish told the good-looking Rabbi Yochanan, and your looks should be put to good use for women. Rabbi Yochanan challenged Reish Lakish to repent and commit himself to studying the Torah. If you do so, you can marry my sister, Rabbi Yochanan said, and she's better looking than I am. Reish Lakish accepted the challenge. But once he did so, he wanted to get out of the water and leap back to the spot that he came from. And the Talmud says that he was unable to do so. Some of the great strength that he exhibited before his acceptance of Torah was diminished. And Rashi explains that in those first moments of accepting the study of Torah, his energy was now preoccupied with Torah as opposed to worldly matters. Just being in the path of Torah somehow reoriented him in a way that changed him. He went on to become an expert in monetary laws and damages. It doesn't matter where you come from, but the path you choose forward. Torah is a derech, a path with many steps, that takes you to a different mode of living. Now, obviously, there are people who observe Jewishly, that do immoral things. But at the heart of it, the Torah gives us a path in life. It charts a course. And if we choose to devote ourselves to that course, we will be immersed in a path of goodness. When Doug Hodge thought back to his missteps, he realized that getting in with the wrong people led him on a bad path. I often look back to my own youth and, okay, I wasn't a bandit like like Reish Lakish, but much like Reish Lakish, I could relate to the choice of making the decision to go to yeshiva and learn Torah. And the truth is that all of us make choices. And the ultimate choice is this. Which derech, which path are we on in life? That's the beauty of Torah. It's not just a series of laws, it's a path. Actually, it's a group of many paths. As we say in the Shabbos morning davening, its paths are paths of pleasantness and sweetness. So wherever you are on your derech, be thankful. Be thankful that you have the Torah and its guidance. Figure out some steps in immersing yourself more in that path. Perhaps it's deepening a friendship with your rabbi, or perhaps taking on a new seder, a new area of learning. Whatever it is, it's going to be a series of small steps. And as you walk toward Har Sinai to Mount Sinai, you will continue to learn the sweet paths of Torah.